Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So it's set in 1956 in New York City at Radio City Music Hall. And it's from the point of view view of a dancer named Marion, who very much wants to be a Rockette against the wishes of her father and her, her boyfriend. Um, but she decides to audition anyway and gets in. And she gets caught up in a hunt for a man who's been setting bombs throughout New York City, who's actually based on a real bomber. And for very personal reasons, she gets caught up in this hunt for him and works together with a very introverted and brilliant psychiatrist named Peter to try and hunt this guy down. And, and they kind of enter on this very deadly adventure. And it's got, I like to say it's got the glamour, the backstage, you know, goings on at Radio City. It's got some mystery, it's historical fiction and a bit of a thriller. Absolutely. All of those things. And of course, here on Book Chat, we always love a mention of St. Louis, Missouri, which of course is where the Rockettes got their start. Yes. I was so amazed to find out that, that in 1925, this guy named Russell Marker created this precision dance troupe called, called the Missouri Rockets. And it was 16 girls. And you know, what's so funny is the height requirement back then was five, two to five, six and a half. And today, the Rockettes, it's 5'5 five, five to 5'10 five, and a half. I, I learned a lot about the Rockettes, uh, things that I didn't know, you know, about how they altered their hemlines so they all looked the same height, even if they weren't. Yeah. Oh, it's all about illusion, is what I've learned from talking to Rockettes who've danced there over the years. And so, you know, in the kick line, the tallest woman is in the middle and the shorter ones are at the end. All the hemlines are, are even. And so that way, um, it gives the illusion that they're all the same woman. You really make the these buildings a character in your story. Yeah, I love hearing that. Yeah, you know, the building for me, the building comes first. And I've always had this intense love of old buildings and how they've changed over time. And I think it comes from being a kid and, and my parents are both English. And we would go back to England every three years to visit all the relatives and we'd drive all over. And at some point, my brother and I would start beating each other up in the backseat of the car. And... Uh, and so we'd stop it, you know, if there was a, a castle that was a ruin, they'd stop and let us kind of run around and, and go crazy and, and let off some steam. And so just wandering around these old castles and wondering what it was like for, you know, a girl in the 1500s made me really interested in, in how old buildings change over time. And in New York, of course, where all my books are set, you have all these buildings with layers of history and ghosts and generations and it's just this wonderful, you know, mining. I, I just mine the stories whenever I do my research and they, they tend to pop out and 
then I have a book. If you ever want to base the story in St. Louis, let us know. We've got tons of historic buildings. For me, because I do do so much research, it's very helpful for me to be able to get into the buildings that I'm researching multiple times to, you know, check facts and just get, get deeper into them. And so it's very convenient to live there. Um, but it, I don't know, you know, down the road, I would love to do something maybe in London or somewhere else, because whenever I tour with my book, I meet readers from other cities like St. Louis or Cleveland. And, you know, I'm always told of these amazing buildings with great stories behind them. And so there's just so much to be written. There's so much out here. And it's kind of, a, it's a kind of fun genre that I guess no one thought of writing before. I always have to start Googling after I read the book or halfway through the book, because I have to know is, did this really happen? It, is, it, is this part right? Is she making this part up? I mean, how much of it is true and how much are you just building on it? Can you talk a little bit about how you approach those storylines? Yeah, I do do a lot of research. I was a journalist before. And so, you know, I love interviewing people and finding out what really happened. And then I use that as kind of a scaffolding to add on possibly fictional characters. Sometimes they are real characters, but they tend to be fictional characters and then let the story evolve from there. And then I always make sure I describe very clearly in the author's note what's fact and what's fiction, because especially readers of historical fiction really want to know that. And sometimes, you know, the facts behind the story, especially say for for the Magnolia Palace, about what happened to one of the characters in that in real life is just, you know, uh, kind of unimaginable. Um, and sometimes I have to change things because if I put it in the book, no one would believe it. You had mentioned being a journalist and how I'm sure that helps in your your research. And you went to the Columbia School of Journalism. So did you work as a journalist? And how did you go from that to writing novels? Yeah, so I, I did. I, I came out of school and I, I actually worked for a, a uh, art show on Channel 13, which is the the PBS equivalent channel in New York, New York City. And it was a wonderful art show that kind of profiled different artists, you know, whether it's music or, or writing or plays or, and it was great. But I, you know, I, I'm not a good multitasker. And it, to be in TV production, you have to be an expert at juggling. I was terrible at it, to be honest. And so um, I quickly uh, pivoted and started doing more print and working for a, a theater magazine and then freelancing and writing for health and fitness or Oprah magazine and, and just kind of pulling together articles on culture or health wherever I could, I could get them, which was kind of fun because it was, you would be assigned an article and have to just learn everything you could about it to become an instant expert in whatever this was going to be covering. And that helped when it came to writing books, because it's the same thing where I have a period, a time period, I have a building, I have characters, and I have to just learn everything I can about them and then start writing a book. Now, getting back to in the spectacular, Peter, the character, meets up with Marion, and he's very interesting in that he's trying to criminally profile the Big Apple bomber. And of course, nobody had really done this yet. Was that any of that based on on true life? I first learned that there was this guy, the Mad Bomber, who in real life was called the Mad Bomber. I changed it to Big Apple Bomber because I had to change some details. But in real life, this 16 years, he set 33 bombs around New York City, twice at Radio City Music Hall. He injured 15 people, some seriously, and the police just couldn't find him. And the fact that he set two bombs at Radio City made me think, wow, this could be an interesting kind of merging of stories of something going on 
in Radio City from the point of view of Marion's kind of struggle to be a Rockette, and then this hunt for this bomber. And so the character of Peter is based on a real guy named James Russell, and he was a psychiatrist at Creedmoor State Hospital in Queens. And the police were just at their wit's end, and they came to him with all the letters that the, the bomber had written over the years, and he studied them and came up with this very specific profile to the point where he said things like, he'll be living with an older female relative, he'll be in his 40s to 50s. And his final thing was that when you find him, he'll be wearing a double-breasted jacket and it will be buttoned. I, we won't give anything away, but needless to say, the science of criminal profiling was born from this one guy and he went on to do it all over the country. I would highly recommend The Spectacular. Fiona Davis, thanks again for joining us. Oh, thank you, Debbie. Lovely to chat with you. Thanks for the opportunity. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.